2: All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call this the tailgate, and we got a busy show. We got Patty Gasso, we got Austin O'Brien, we got Grant Hirschman, and ladies and gentlemen, we've got Toby Rowland to kick things off yet again. T. what an exciting weekend for Sooner Baseball, man. This is, you know, we had the Texas Tech Series earlier this season. That was huge, and this is about as big as it gets with TCU starting up tonight.
1: Yeah, this is great. It's great to be late in the season, final home series of the year. And what's on the line is positioning within the NCAA tournament. Not, you know, trying to play your way off of the bubble and into the tournament. And there's a lot of teams doing that right now. Um, Oklahoma State is doing that right now. But to feel like they are solidly in because of the last couple of weeks they've had, um, and what's on the line is it's fun. You know, we're talking seeding. So that's. Yep. Uh, that's a lot of fun. TCU is really good. Oklahoma is uh, seems to be getting healthy and kind of hitting their stride again. Maybe uh, maybe playing their best baseball of the year here late in the season. So
2: uh, I think
1: we're I think we're gonna have some great crowds. It looks like the weather's gonna cooperate. So um, ho- hopefully it's a really exciting weekend. I'm looking forward to.
2: It. I caught a bit of your conversation on your radio show this morning, uh, Thursday morning, about a podcast you were listening to, which went a little bit more in depth on we And you and I kind of touched on it on Tuesday's show. But going a little bit more in depth, to on the potential of OU even hosting, how logical or, or possible does that seem right now?
1: Well, I think it's it's definite. well, it's in their hands. Um, you know, I think OU is a solid two-seed right now. Their RPI is right at 20, which, for those who don't know how the baseball tournament works, there are 16 – different regional host sites there will be four teams at each regional host site and so 16 teams are going to get the host and oklahoma's rpi right now is number 20 and they're um in the number one rpi conference in the nation the big 12 this year in third place so right now they're a solid two seed if you're in that 16 to 32 range you know you are still pretty good and they're at the upper end of that uh, all the different projections out right now have them in two in various locations around the country, uh, Tucson, Chapel Hill, Stanford, Long Beach. Who knows where they'd send them. But I think the feeling is, you know, you circles, and what you were talking about is uh, one of the national podcasts I was listening to agreed that if they were to win their final two series here, on uh, TCU this weekend, Oklahoma State next weekend, that maybe they would bump up and, and Maybe, maybe likely would bump up and be a uh, regional host, be one of those top 16 seeds, where Norman would be one of the regional sites. Obviously, what happens in the Big 12 tournament could factor into that. You go two and out, lose your first two games, uh, that could hurt you. If you uh, you don't you don't win both of these series, but you make a run and win the Big 12 tournament, that could help you. But from simplification standpoint, if they beat TCU, two out of three and Oklahoma state two out of three. I think it looks really good for OU to be a regional host. And that would be a tremendous accomplishment this year. They could pull that off. Just getting into the tournament this year is going to be great uh, to see OU back in the field of 64, much less if they could figure out uh, a formula here late to, to uh, get to host the host regional. Now that was real easy to say. It's going to be real hard to do. You <laughs> is a legitimate national title contender. Uh, Oklahoma State is bedlam, and they're going to be playing. They're going to be desperate because they have to make a big push here late just to get into the field. In fact, their spot's not secured in Bricktown yet. Right, that's one of the eight teams that's going to be. So Oklahoma's going to run into a really desperate Cowboys team, and it doesn't usually matter how good the teams are when they play. That series is up in the air. So that's going to be. It's going to be a tough ask, but I think it is a legitimate probability more than possibility that if they win these last two series, they're gonna host a regional at Norman.
2: To get over analytical on the X's and O's, uh, X's and O's, I guess, if you will, if you can use that term in baseball, but what was your thought moving your Sunday starter to Saturday as it sounded like Pete Hughes confirmed after practice yesterday?
1: Um you know, I it's from a strategy standpoint, I don't know. I don't know. I, I Devin Perez who you're talking about, yep. I assume, right? Yes. yes, sir. Has been their best starter the last two weeks. And he has given them length as well. So I think the strategy there is um, throw Irvin and Perez at him.
2: Have the pen for and, Sunday.
1: Yeah, it, well, you got whoever. I mean, you, yeah. you Kyle Tyler's been good, but you if you get length on Friday and Saturday... Then you are fully stocked for Sunday, and whether it's Kyle Tyler or Dylan Grove or everybody, a hodgepodge. Then um, you know they got in the position last week where they used so much of their bullpen on Friday and Saturday that they needed Devin Perez to go deep on Sunday. Fortunately, he did. So I think this is a you know a little bit of a uh, tip of the cap to Devin to some extent. You also, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to Pete, but you also have the um, the Bedlam series coming up the next week, which is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Good point. So that, that could factor in here a little bit as well. They could be trying to get the guys they really want to go to battle with in Bedlam on the right days of the week as well. Let's say, you know, just to throw a hypothetical out here, let's say they throw uh, Kyle Tyler on Sunday this week. And then they turn around on Thursday next week against Oklahoma State and bring Dylan Grove. And then they've still got Irvin and Perez on Friday and Saturday on their normal days. And the week after that, you got a Big 12 tournament that starts on a Wednesday. Yeah. So you've kind of got to do some creative, uh, creative things with your pitching staff here because the week's about to move up on them over the next couple of weeks. So I don't mind it. Uh, Devin Perez has been outstanding for them. In Sunday starts to win series on the road the last two weeks, whatever day of the week they want to put him on right now, he deserves. If, they, if you told me Devin's going Friday, I would say he deserves it the way he's pitching right now.
2: All right, I'll let you go on this, uh, Toby. I got Austin O'Brien, one of your broadcast partners from this year, coming yep. up next in the podcast. How impressed have you been? with the way that he's bounced back? You know, we're going to talk about his injury, and I hate asking guys about their injury, but not only bouncing back from the injury, but being the only four-year senior and the leadership that he's provided.
1: You know, I thought he was done. I thought his college career was over on that final game of that 19-game homestand when he hurt his arm. Uh, He was in such pain, and the way he was holding his arm, uh, it, it looked like a career ender. And the fact that he missed as little time as he did and he is back seemingly stronger than ever. The one thing I wondered is, well, maybe he'll be able to swing the bat again, but can he play the field again? He's been a great first baseman since he came back as well. He's still got that big brace on his arm. Um, Every once in a while, there'll be a throw up the uh, line, and you'll kind of hold your breath a little bit, hoping they don't collide again. But um, he's a great kid. He's been a fantastic career. Uh, His bat, you know, over the last four games, he's hit three home runs now. So it seems like he's getting hot at the right time. And the two home runs in Manhattan were opposite field shots, which is really going to mess up some defenses who want to try to shift <laughs> against him uh, on down the line. But he's a great kid. He's, a you know, obviously comes from a great baseball family. He's always yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, if you are picking out uh, young men and women who you want to represent the University of Oklahoma on, you know, whatever the showcase may be. Uh, in any sport, Austin O'Brien is going to be at the top of that list because he is just class. I mean, he just exudes class. And uh, not to mention, he's a really good baseball player. So I'm happy for him that he's been able to get back. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to call him the last uh, almost four years now. And I hope he has a
2: really strong finish here to his senior season. Oh, that's awesome! Flynney called him an all-timer. I agree with him as well. Hey, and then I said one final thought. But I, I'm the charge today is to get out and support your teams. If it's softball at the Big Twelve tournament, go be a part of it, or the regional that uh, is coming up to Norman. But for baseball this weekend, Toby, we we have wanted, we have desired games that matter in May for the last couple of years, and here we go. It should be the rowdy should be back, no doubt, this weekend.
1: I hope so. I, you know, fact of the matter is, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably a diehard.
2: <laughs> that that is true. So that is true.
1: I, I, you're probably going to be there, so I would encourage you to get on the horn with your friends and your neighbors and the Sooner fans you know, even if they're not the biggest college baseball fans in the world, just say, "Hey, man, these are this is a big series. Let's go support OU." And uh, hopefully, the stands and the berms beyond the outfield wall. And it's standing room only this weekend as uh, they're going to need all the help they can get against a very, very good TCU team.
2: Awesome stuff. Thanks, Toby. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, Chris. I see you, buddy. Well, we mentioned Stoney O'Brien. So without any further ado, he's one of my favorite Sooners, not just baseball players. He's one of my favorite Sooners of all time. From Owasso, I've watched him grow up. I'm a fan of his family. His Uncle Charlie was one of my first ever radio interviews so it's with uh, with a lot of pride that I welcome in Austin O'Brien as our next guest on the Sooner Sports podcast. And Stoney, first and foremost, let's just talk about the bounce back here in 2017. What's led to this turnaround? What's really led to this team being right in the midst of things here this season?
3: Yeah, I really think it has to do a lot with the leadership. You know, when, when things weren't going good, it wasn't a blame game between all the guys. Um, people weren't. You know, hitters weren't blaming the pitchers. Pitchers weren't blaming the hitters. We, we all just stuck together and knew that if we just kept working to get better every day, that eventually, that you know, we were going to start winning again.
2: When you first had the collision at first base and mm-hmm. suffered the injury, did you think your season was over?
3: I did at first. Yeah, that was that was my first thought. You know, but I, I just kept praying to God that. You know, trusting in his plan, and thankfully I've been able to get back out there and play the game I love again. So it's been a blessing, and I'm excited for this weekend. We got a big series against TCU, and I'm looking forward to what the rest of the season may hold.
2: When you first went in to the, what uh, I think they took you right to the hospital, right? What did they first tell you about the shoulder?
3: Yeah, it was it was the elbow. Um, the, at first, you know they. Just they wanted to get me in there for MRI because you know they thought for sure some UCL damage, but they wanted to see you know if I dislocated it, if I tore everything in there. They they just wanted to see you know how extreme it was, and thankfully uh, it was just a UCL tear and then a tore a forearm muscle in the belly of it. So they said uh, you know surgery is not really good for that, and since it's my non-throwing arm, the UCL will heal up and. I should be good to go. So it was a lot better news than I was planning for.
2: I might. Are you still in pain? Do you still play through pain?
3: Um. Really, it, it was. It was so weird. At about two and a half weeks is when I first started swinging again, and I was surprised at you know how hard I could swing when I first came back without any pain. Um, really, most of the pain would come when i had to really reach and extend my arm for ground balls or you know balls up in the air but you know and that's that's the only thing that bothers me at this point is when i really have to reach for a ball but i mean it's it's just a short-lived pain and then it's gone so it's i mean it's really not affecting me a whole
2: lot can you begin, and I'm not trying to just focus on the injury here, Austin, but can you kind of take me through what the uh, moment was like when you got back on the field and that game against ORU and you hit the grand slam? I mean, was that kind of a big exhale to say, hey, I'm back and we're not messing around?
3: It was, you know, I, I think a lot of people were curious that, uh, you know, how, how I was going to come back and if I'd be able to perform. And, you know, I, I think it was you know, big to come back out and get that confidence, and I think it—you know—gave a lot of my teammates confidence too. You know, showed them that, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't back and gonna, you know, hurt the team, and I was back and ready to play and ready to help the team win some games.
2: You know, I'm obviously excited for you. I'm your biggest fan, having watched you when you grew up in Owasso. Uh, can mm-hmm. you can you take us through though? I mean, listen, it's awesome because you have so much success in baseball in your family. But, Stoney, growing up as an O'Brien in Tulsa, uh, there's there's certain set expectations. Can you take us through where there are challenges? Was it excitement? Was it ever, you know, kind of a tough burden knowing the success that your uncle had had and obviously your dad had had and your whole family has? What was it like growing up in O'Brien playing baseball in Tulsa?
3: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say there was a lot of stress or a lot of pressure. You know, I was more than anything just proud to be – I know Brian, and I'm just proud that, you know, I had a family who has such a rich tradition in baseball, and it's just always motivated me to go out there and play hard and do the best I can. You know, I've freaking, I mean, I've i have just lived, slept, eat, breathed baseball my whole life. So it really its just been a blessing ever since I was little getting to go to the field. <clears throat> And Alexandria, when my dad was playing and managing there in Louisiana, just always being around the game, and, you know, I couldn't ask for anything more.
2: Was that kind of a, I don't want to say jaw-dropping, but did you ever find yourself in awe of some of the guys who would come through there? Was there anyone that really made, outside of your dad and obviously the family, but was there a player that really made an impact on you coming up through the ranks?
3: Um, I think Dylan Bundy definitely made a big impact on uh, – my work ethic he I was lucky enough uh to be a sophomore or yeah no I was a I was a freshman when he came in as a junior from Sperry, and just I mean what a what a blessing for myself and the rest of my teammates to see a guy come in with that kind of work ethic and that kind of drive and you know he I worked out with him a few times in the weight room and couldn't walk for about a week after we spotted one time, but uh, <laughs> it, just, a, just a great person, even more so than a baseball player, and uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen what he's doing in the big league this year, he's having a great year so far, but uh, just to see his work ethic and the way he went about his business really made a big impact on me, and the way i about my business.
2: How special has it been for you, as the only four-year senior on this team, Stony, to not only have a good season, but I, I hate to use the term rebirth, but kind of the rebirth of OU baseball this season. How how has that felt to you to be the only four-year senior and kind of the leader of this team?
3: Yeah, um, you know, I think being the only four, four-year guy, like you said, it's a it's a big responsibility for me. You know, to to lead by example and show these guys that you know despite the last three years not going the way we've wanted that you know we can turn it around this year and I told those guys before the season started we had a team meeting I said I told them you know we I've watched the postseason three years in a row and it's not a very good feeling but you know if we work hard we play together and we go out and have a blast on the field every day then we're gonna we're gonna have the season that we want to have and I've just been so proud of the guys and the way we've played so far and looking forward to what's to come.
2: You know, I kind of talked about growing up O'Brien, uh, but growing up Oklahoma, I mean, this has got to be even more special, isn't it, to not only be doing this as a Tulsa slash Owasso kid, but in your home state of Oklahoma?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been been—I've been a center fan my whole life, and its it's been my dream since I was a little kid to play. My favorite sport, for my favorite school, my favorite state. So, it's it's still kind of surreal sometimes. I have to kind of step back and realize that, you know, I've been living my dream for four years. So, I uh, I don't take it for granted, and I try to work hard and make my and get better every day, and make my teammates better every day, and try to help Oklahoma baseball team win baseball games.
2: Isn't it amazing how quickly four years goes? I mean, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking about it, and and I can remember the the first day austin when you stepped on campus and you know how it's crazy to think about how different this team is around you today as opposed to the day when you stepped on campus and how different you are not just physically but mentally and how you've matured i mean four four years absolutely flies have you been able to kind of wrap your mind around that this is the these last couple of regular season series or the swan song for you before you head into the postseason?
3: yeah it is it is crazy how fast it's gone by um you know, thinking about thinking back to my freshman year, playing with Hector and Dylan Neal and a lot of those guys. It seems like I've played with 500 different people for OU, but um, you know, just so many, so many great relationships and great memories. And you know the, you know it's, it's the home stretch. But uh, you know, I'm all I'm thinking about is you know how are we going to beat TCU Friday night and just to having that day-by-day, game-by-game approach. And, you know, hopefully – hopefully, I mean, I think this team can make a run deep in the postseason. I really do. And I think we could surprise some people. we just got to stay together and play how we're capable of.
2: Two more quick ones, and I'll let you go. Uh, not to sound cheesy or try to get sentimental, but family. You know, your mom your dad being there every step of the way, what has that meant to you? Not just – and your brother as well, too. I know it's kind of hard with him playing. But yeah. uh, what, what's it been like to have that family support that you have?
3: It, I mean, you can't, you can't beat it, Chris. It, they're, they're there almost every single game. My, my grandma, my nana, Mary Poplin, she makes, she's a freshly retired this year, so she's, she's, she was super excited to be able to come to all the games, and she hasn't missed one. So, you know, just that support. I mean, when I think about it, I mean, you can't beat it. It's, it's unbelievable, and it's something that I really do appreciate. And then my brother too. You know he's he's battled injuries since you know right before his senior year of high school. He he really I mean now he's a he's a redshirt sophomore at college uh, community college this year and he's been banged up and hasn't he's only played I want to say four games this year. So, um, you know, seeing how much how much my brother cares about baseball and how bad it hurts him to not be out there on the field, um. That gives me extra motivation, you know, because I know how bad he wants to be out there. So it, it makes me, uh, you know, it makes me just realize, you know, any time, you know, like earlier this season, any time you can get hurt and this game can be taken from you. So you just got to, you know, not take it for granted, work hard every day, have a smile on your face, and just thank God that you're getting to play a great game of baseball.
2: And, and then a final thought, you know what, I'll, I'll I'll table any conversations about post-college conversations, Stoney, until we get a chance to talk after the season, but you brought up TCU and that focus a lot, but can you even begin to put into words how much of a difference it's made to have great crowds, to have that energy, to have uh, the Rowdies out on the berm and how important they are to what you guys do to kind of build the energy inside of Mitchell Stadium?
3: Yeah, it's. I think it's, it's been a huge turnaround this year, I think. You know the excitement. The excitement for OU baseball is taking a taking a big step back in the right direction. And you know, despite the skid, I think you know the last two series wins, you know, have people confident again. And I know this team's confident, so I hope for a good turnout this weekend. Because, like I said, it, it really doesn't get any bigger than this series this weekend. We have got to come out ready to go, and you know, start Friday night. We got to get a
2: W. Man, I said it. He's, uh, he's an all-timer, and I'm really excited to see the way that he has bounced back after the injury that we all thought was going to end up costing him his 2017 campaign. Uh, it's been an incredible run as we segue from baseball to softball for Patty Gasso, Sooner softball team. The Big 12 awards rolled in like crazy. On Wednesday, you've got the Big 12 Player of the Year in Shay Knighton. You've got the Big 12 Freshman of the Year, Newcomer of the Year in Nicole Mendez. You've got the Big 12 Pitcher of the Year. She's a junior, and it's the third time she's won the award in Paige Parker. And for the 10th time, you've got the Big 12 Coach of the Year in Patty Gasso. Uh, Coach, obviously a wealth of awards, but I know you're excited to really get things underway this weekend in the return of the Big 12 tournament.
4: Well, first, I'm excited that it's back. Uh, it's getting a lot, of, um, a lot of people excited about it. In fact, when we had it, I, I, our sport has grown so much since then. So I don't know that the, the interest was there, but now it's back. But more than that, it just helps all of our teams in our conference get more looks and so forth. So uh, we're glad it's back. It's great that it's in Oklahoma City because we get an opportunity to play at the Hall of Fame. Um, the matchups are great. I mean, we got to know you Texas matchup at two. And the way I look at the big 12 tournament is everybody's fighting. A lot of teams are fighting for their lives. And I think of Texas as a team that could possibly be on the bubble. Maybe they're in, I'm not sure, but I think that they're going to come in just really fighting to secure a spot in the, uh, NCAA post season. And, uh, Texas Tech is just playing probably more for pride, and that's the 7:30 game. And then we see where we land on Saturday. But for us, we've got a lot riding on this as well. Uh, there's a couple teams in the SEC that uh, are fighting to secure a, a place in the top eight. And if they don't have success in their tournament, it might open a door for either us or Baylor. So. Both Baylor and OU are teams that are trying to find a way to host a super regional. And uh, right now, that's all we're focusing on is just finishing the job that we started in mid-March.
2: I thought Saturday is a game that could easily be overlooked by some because you'd already clinched the Big 12. Um, I mean, it was was done. But yet, the team had kind of taken on the challenge of wanting to continue that rise up the RPI. And you knew that you were going to get Oklahoma State's best shot with their senior day. They're a team that's kind of scratching and clawing to make sure that they get in. And, I mean, to go out and not only throw a no-hitter coach, but to have Nicole Mendez get the big hit, I mean, I thought Saturday told me a lot about where this team is and how much they've really focused and, and kind of started to develop that championship mindset.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you noticed because <laughs> that was a tough game, and I knew that it was going to be a tough game, probably one of the toughest environments and and settings that our team would have played in this season just because of all the reasons you said. But besides that, it's like, well, okay, we've already beat them twice. We've clinched the series. Uh, we're getting ready for finals. You know, there was a lot of things that could come into play to allow our team to take the day off, and I was—I don't think we played great, um, but right now it doesn't matter. Uh, in a setting like that, the, the way they found a way to grind to win was important, and uh, Mendez did a great. Nicole Mendez did a great job. I think we threw them a little curveball, putting her out there. I think they were expecting one of the pages, so. Uh, Nicole, we knew, handled her business well, but we knew that we wanted to take her out. Whether she's still in a perfect game or not, we were <laughs> going to take her out, let Paige Lowry come in and get some work. And uh, the two of them handled things masterfully. And um, from our side, I just wish we had a little more offense to go with it and back them up. But our defense and our pitching really handled business. And Nicole Mendez of all people, the freshman comes up and hits the uh, Home run, and uh, that's really that was all we needed. But to go further, we need more, and our team knows that.
2: I want to talk about Kelsey because you and I have talked about in pregame shows a lot. Carl Anderson and I have talked about it a lot on the broadcast. But what she provides and how she's developed as a leader, coach, I think it's something that you're not going to see on a box score. You're not going to see on a stat sheet but how she's taken on uh, being – she's always been a leader, but to be a more vocal leader and be someone that sets the tone, I've seen it. I mean, what have you seen in Kelsey that's really helped develop her as a solid leader and a captain for this team?
4: You know, that's going to be one of the highlights of this season for me, and it really doesn't happen in play on the field. It's more of Kelsey Arnold, who's a very quiet and humble athlete, And that's why I love watching her play, but she, she was voted captain by the team and she took it on and said, you know what, this is outside my comfort zone, having to talk so much, having to, you know, I, I've got to find other ways that I can help this team through my leadership. So she really did a great job of creating relationships, which is what leaders do and they, find ways to to get to know their people and who they're leading, and she did a phenomenal job of that. Where Kelsey Arnold would want to go home uh, and kind of do her own thing at home after practice, she stepped out um, probably two to three times a week and had dinner with a particular athlete, just kind of let them... And load things on her, but she, um, she gained their confidence and their trust, and that was really, really important. And she figured that out on her own. She's done a lot of things on her own and searched um, for the answers of how to lead this team when, when we really, really needed leadership. So a lot of our, I attribute a ton of our success to the leadership of Kelsey
2: Arnold. I want to talk about Paige Parker real quick. Um, You know, Early in the season, there were some struggles there. I think she had given up 15 home runs through the month of March. But, Coach, since April 1st, she's only given up two home runs, and those were on that wind-aided day in Kansas. And her ERA is under one, which is ridiculous. What's kind of clicked? What have you seen from Paige Parker over the last month and a half?
4: Well, if you follow Paige Parker's career, she hasn't really been a quick starter during the season it's taken her time to kind of get herself settled and get her confidence and get in her groove. So the, the home run number, when you look at it in the way of giving up 15, you look at it and go, that's got to be a misprint. There should only be five, not 15. So she went through a tough spell, um, some confidence issues, so forth. So I think she's really hit that kind of faced it head on and, Got her life in order and got everything kind of situated, and um, thus the product that we have now. So she's in postseason form. She's really throwing her best right now.
2: It was pretty. I, I still go back to that Arizona game when the, the way she pitched against Arizona. That was a moment when you're like, okay, there you go, Paige. Uh, a couple of final thoughts, coach, and then I'll let you run. First and foremost, uh, the, the rotation for this weekend. I, I've said it before, and I hope you don't get mad at me. I say, Coach Gasso gets almost borderline giddy talking about having a staff this year. So with that said, how much more confidence does it give you as a coach, Coach Lombardi, and this entire team to head into the postseason with a staff as far as just maybe one individual?
4: Am I am I giddy?
2: I would say borderline. What's See, giddy? Giddy, giddy? giddy means you, you really dig it. You get excited about it. So I kind of use that term. It's probably... Okay. It's probably more used for a a, a a younger kid
4: like a high school yeah yeah that's there you go. I'm like okay all right well giddy is good I guess uh, yeah I guess I could say then that I'm I don't know that I'm giddy but I'm pumped <laughs> I guess there the you word, go uh, that we could go into a postseason uh, and have options and that is what's exciting we have been in regional super regionals where we've had to play double headers and you're going no Paige has got to throw back-to-back games and you're not um, thrilled about putting her in those situations and you know that it's going to be hard for her to hang on but now we've got options and we're excited about our options and um, it'll allow us to, uh, I don't know. I'm just. I've never been in a postseason that we've had so many options. So yes, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. <laughs> I'm giddy about this. And hey, then a, surrender. You're there right. you go. I love
2: it. I love, and then a final thought. You know, yeah. we, we can talk all day long about the defense on the infield. And, of course, you know, I'm enamored with the shift. But they asked me on Spotlight to highlight three players. And one player I kept coming back to was Nicole Pinley. And I feel like sometimes in what Shea's done with home runs over the last couple of weeks and uh, obviously what's happened in the circle, Coach, we lose sight over someone who is an eraser in center field and is very versatile at the plate. I mean – how important has Nicole Pinley been to this team's success? And I almost feel like we haven't even come close to her reaching her ceiling yet.
4: No, I completely agree. And she uh, has taken control in the outfield. Again, she's someone that's stepped up in a leadership role. That is not something that she's used to, but she's, she's gravitated to it, handled it well. She had a, a really outstanding start to the season, just power numbers and, and then we kind of went through—I wouldn't say a funk—but the power didn't, wasn't supplied the same as it was. But I mean, she was hitting eight, nine, ten home runs in the first couple months. So, in the sixth spot, it's like another leadoff spot in the lineup. But she can do so much with runners in front of her. So she can slap and run. She can hit and run. But um, she can change the game in one swing, and she can change the game on one play in the outfield. So uh, I'm really pleased with what she's done this season.
2: I think if you listen to this podcast, as Toby brought up, you're a diehard. And you know that I've been on the beat with the Sooners for the last two years. I've been proud to be their play-by-play guy. And I've learned so much about a sport that heading into being their day-to-day guy, I, I didn't know a lot about. I would read. I'd studied. I'd watched. But... To learn about Patty Gasso, the person, has been one of the most rewarding things for me this season. And JT Gasso, the person. Melissa Lombardi, the person. This entire team and the people and the young the young women that they've become. It's been a really challenging path. There's a lot of real-life things that they've had to deal with this season that – You know, I I think Sherry Cole said it so well after the women's basketball season wrapped up. You know, there was a lot of real-life things that that team had to deal with. Softball has as well, too. And to see the way that they've tackled those challenges and how they've overcome and how they've grown as a team has been so incredibly rewarding. I challenge you to get out and support them this weekend at ASA Hall of Fame Stadium. And, of course, get ready because on Sunday night at 9 o'clock, they'll announce the field for the softball tournament tournament. And we'll have reaction for you coming up on Tuesday's show. Now, from softball, and again, we'll have all the broadcast for you this weekend on the Sooner Radio Network. That's AM 1560, the Franchise 2. And, of course, they're streaming online at Soonersports.com. Uh, let's talk a little women's basketball. You know, it was an interesting week. Uh, in the off season, and uh, Jessica Cootie is a regular on my radio show with me. Jessica Cootie puts together some amazing features. What you might not know is Jess was a standout high school basketball player, and she has a deep-rooted passion for college basketball. And there was news this week of a couple of transfers from Oklahoma: Chelsea Dungy and Nancy Mulkey, both deciding that they wanted to at least explore their option uh, of transferring. There's a really good article in the Oklahoman from Brooke Pryor that kind of lays out how this has become a trend in women's basketball. So. I asked someone who has a deep-rooted passion like I do for Sherry Cole's women's basketball program and a deep-rooted passion for women's basketball in general if this is just a trend now that we're going to see across the board in college basketball and the women's side of things. Because we know we've seen it in men's hoops, but now is it going to become a trend in women's college basketball? Well,
5: I I think um, it was a Grant Wade producer, there's a lot of women's basketball games. Uh, he was talking with Tyler Pig, who's at SID, who said, I believe the stat, um, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's somewhere like last year's signing class, um, 10 of the top 20 recruits transferred. Wow. So it was like over half of the top 25 of the women's basketball recruits uh, transferred, This are transferring now. So, yeah, I think it's, kind of a trend I you know what I I don't know um you know because I I didn't go through all of this process but I kind of sometimes feel like maybe um the whole recruiting process is a little young um you know people are committing really young and um maybe not being able to fully explore I think some of it maybe has to do with the um the type of turnover with the team um Maybe you just don't mesh once you get there because it's just it's a culture shock. You, you you can say you're prepared for it all you want, but once you get there, it's completely different. And, you know, I, I think um, a lot of times, which, you know, and I, I think for the most part, athletes have to be aware that it's not going to be all peaches and rainbows and sunshine and rainbows. And, um, not peaches, you know, I works. think that, um, I think that's, one thing that maybe um, you know, high school coaches and um, you know, uh, parents need to prepare their kids for because um, you know, I think that's one thing. Like my my high school coach was Ty Lazenby, who just signed for Oklahoma. His dad and he, it definitely was not sunshine and rainbow. So I don't know if like maybe um, it's not coaches maybe aren't as hard as far as um, yelling and and getting after. Players as they used to be. I don't know. I haven't covered the high school scene in, in several several years, so I don't know if that's just, if if maybe um, they've they've loosened up a little bit, maybe on that end. Um, but I don't know if yeah. Once you get to if if you're used to kind of things all going your way in high right. school, once you get to college, it's not that way. And so maybe you know it takes you a year to figure that out. But it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows at the next school either
2: yeah and i think that's a mistake a lot of people make in that uh and and this is kind of unique jess and i like i said i don't know how much we can or how much you even want to talk about it and i probably should have texted it beforehand but hey live radio why not but you did two really awesome features on both of these girls and so i just hope that no one and you brought up a great point no one thinks that any problems that you might have in one place suddenly disappear when you go somewhere else? What's the old, old school phrase, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So, Hey, you know, just asking and then following through are two different things. So maybe they ask, they talk to a few people and realize, Hey, home is here. I don't need to go find it somewhere else. But with that said, it's just, as you said, it's a trend all over women's college basketball right now. And I think it's just unfortunate. And I
5: think it's a lot of, a lot of sports that maybe it, um, like you said, kind of just catching on um, with women's basketball, but you know, OU men, the men's team had two transfers yeah. this year as well. Yeah, or uh, two. Yeah, they two had two
2: three. because uh, so, Buford and the uh, and, and the in the guard that left as well too. Yeah,
5: Darian Strongmore. Thank you. And um, you know, they've had several throughout the years, and I think one thing with um, you know with Coach Kruger's system is you know he's got a very specific. System tailored to a certain type of of not only just athlete but person and so you know if you don't fit then you know um you'll people have left and so that's kind of and they've been fine obviously without them um you know they've moved on and had people that fit that want to be there and and so i you know maybe that all kind of goes into it but it's it's um, you know, it's it's certainly a trend, but that's the thing. That's why the rules there; they're going to have to go sit out for a year, and yep. that's not very much fun. No. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people. It's a good thing for like Peyton Little. It turned yeah. out to be the best thing for her possible. OU has been on the on the good side of some transfers that came in. You know, Kayshawn Thomas, um, You know, um, you know there have been several. I can't even, um, you know, think at yeah. this point um but several and several sports that that have been you know so i feel like yes they've lost it and, and that's kind of what we're thinking about right now but they've been on the good side of that on the right side of that as well several times
2: you're uh you're awesome jess what uh what can we look for today out of jessica cootie on sooner TV? i saw the brad Dolkey feature got posted that is awesome
5: and Renee Martinez is up and it is nice. really good. I spent a lot of time on it. I really like it. It's it's pretty fascinating. But then also make sure you check out the written piece because again, like I I only get a certain amount of time and, and we try to fix, do this on the podcast sometimes but um where we just release the raw, uncut interview. But um, you know, a lot of the details, especially when there's a written piece you can find. Um, you know, in, in the article, and, and there is a really good article uh, written by John Rody this on, on Rene Martinez, so all the little details that I couldn't in include, you can catch there, um, and so, but yeah, it's a really unique story, um, you know, he's a kid that was, he was in Omaha, you know, as a, as a redshirt freshman, transferred, went to Compton, Wow. Um, and then ended up in Norman, was batting 120 a year ago, and now <laughs> here he is. He's, he's the guy for uh, the baseball team and you know Pete Hughes ha- had some really um, fascinating and, and really great things to say about him and, and how critical he's been to where OU baseball is I mean they're pretty much you know they win a couple more games here over the next six and you know they're they're pretty much a lock before they even enter the big 12 tournament so yeah, they're sitting pretty, and uh, you know he gives a lot of that credit to Rene Martinez. So you can watch that right now um,
2: on on SoonerSports.com. Man, that's really good perspective from Jess. And you know th- this team has an incredible recruiting class coming in. They're going to be fine. They've got a, a great leader in Maddie Manning, and uh, we'll see how this plays out as a uh, as a fun off season has started off with a couple of curveballs. But man, without a doubt, there is no one better to lead that program uh, than Sherry Cole. All right. Uh, Quick final thought on another team that starts its postseason this week, and that's the OU men's golf team. And Grant Hirschman was kind enough to join us on the Spotlight and we got his opinion on how things have been going for him and this team as they prepare for the postseason. Thank you for having me on, uh, but uh,
6: we're all feeling great. We're all really looking forward to getting going this week, all confident. We're all going to be ha- happy that exams are over. We'll be freed <laughs> up, but feeling nice. We're all looking forward to it.
2: It's a great point because you survived that week, in the middle of finals week. Is it a big exhale whenever you just get to focus on the sport for a while?
6: Yeah, it definitely is when we get there and instead of – being like, man, I got a test when I get back. I got an assignment. We just kind of get there and we're like, oh, it's just golf. And we just kind of hang out, practice a ton, and just get, get focused
2: for the week. Speaking of just golf, we'll take a look at the regional field. And obviously, it's a challenging field as you head out to Stanford uh, to take on a bevy of teams here. Mindset-wise, I know you've got, a, you've got work to do in preparing for the course and understanding the approach. But how does that mindset and that preparation change for the postseason?
6: You just really got to uh, make sure and minimize your uh, mistakes and just focus on small small details, whether it's getting a shot up and down, not three-putting, saving a shot here and there, just because saving a few shots in a three-round tournament, whether it's one shot around, it all adds up a ton at the
2: end. The team won the Team of the Year, Moment of the Year Award this year, and you were on Spotlight with this with Jess. Uh, after everything the team had to overcome with Coach Hibble and real-life moments that have happened, for you guys personally, not only to win that award, but to look back and have won it for Coach Hibble, I mean, what? can you even begin to put the mindset into perspective of what that was like?
6: I mean, it was it was a special moment. Probably one of my favorite moments that I've had so far in my three years here just because it was a different award. We don't really ever win an award for what our team has done. So it was kind of different for us to do.
2: And you beat out a couple of national championships. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, championship yeah moments—yeah, that was definitely a bright side and, to it. You so. guys took on the scoony for a moment of the year, but it kind of speaks to, doesn't it, the confidence and the relationship you guys have with Coach Hibble, doesn't it?
6: Yeah, it? yeah, it definitely does. We coach trust us. We coach
2: him. It's just a, a great relationship between the two. Solid relationship and a guy that's mm-hmm. played the game and has played well, so obviously that's a good thing. You've played well this year. Uh, you got a couple tournament wins for you to get back on top. I know that your sophomore year, you're a little bit frustrating with mm-hmm. no wins, uh, but to get a couple more victories this year, what has that meant for you personally, individually?
6: Individually, it's meant a lot. I and mean, it's given me a ton of confidence Winning once was a was a big success, but winning twice in uh, Las Vegas that was a really big win. I was really proud of that one. It was a really good week.
2: Take me through the Las Vegas win though, because you had to overcome quite a bit of adversity out at the uh, Southern Highlands, especially what was it the 11th tee when you hit a good drive and then they actually cart you to your ball, and that's when trouble struck, right? Yes, yeah, so it was the second round on the 11th tee. We're taking a
6: uh, shuttle down because it's a steep mountain, so mm-hmm. we got to take a shuttle. And my shuttle driver unfortunately lost control and (laughs) tossed me out of the cart and banged me up a little bit. You actually landed on your golf
2: bag, right? Yeah,
6: my bag took most of the fall, but I landed on my wrist a little and just kind of had some bruises
2: and cuts. Nothing too serious, luckily. And you still had the final round to come. You had to overcome, what, a five shot deficit to even Mm -hmm. force the playoff. Did you ever have you had any other issues with the wrist since then?
6: A little bit of soreness here and there, but luckily it was nothing bone related, it was just kind of
2: tissue damages. And you learned your lesson never to ride with that guy
6: again, Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, the next round they were waiting on me and had my name circled and drove me down like super slow down, down the mountain. <laughs>
2: we mentioned Ryan Hibble. Uh, I want to go back to it just real quick because one of my uh, favorite moments was whenever he left, and you were playing in that U.S. Amateur as well too, but he left the Oklahoma Open where he had a chance to make a lot of money at, at Oak Tree. Mm-hmm. When you see that kind of uh, unselfishness from Coach Hibble, What does that say to you guys? Yeah,
6: I mean, it it definitely speaks a lot about him because he had, you said it, he had a chance to win a lot of money and he just withdraws from the tournament, hops on a flight and comes out to watch his own players. So not only is he giving up money, but he's giving up his own time being at home just to come out and watch his players and be with us.
2: Do we have a beef with Brad Dawkey because he didn't put you on his bag for the Masters? I mean, you <laughs> caddied him. Folks that don't know, you had a deal with Brad that mm-hmm. whoever exited first from the U.S. Amateur was going to caddy for the other. You caddied for him, took yeah. him to the finals. Why weren't you on the bag of the Masters?
6: I mean, there's, there's a little bit of beef, but <laughs> I mean, I, I understood. It was, it was fine. I told him. I was like, look, if you want me to come, I get it. If not, just give me one ticket. I just want to go for one day. So I got to go.
2: Good enough. Hey, r- real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but how do you feel about your putting game right now? I feel good. yeah. It's a constant challenge, isn't it, whenever you're as hard of a ball, a, a solid of a ball striker as you are. You're a great mid-range game, but that putter can always give some issues, can it?
6: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been uh, notorious to give me a few issues, but I've been working on it these uh, past few months and trying to tune it up, especially inside 10 feet, and looking forward to test it this week at Regionals.
2: You know, I, I realized when I listened back to that, I didn't make it very clear. It was the, uh, it was the Sooner Choice Awards when they won the moment of the year. And to see them rewarded as a team after winning that tournament when Ryan Hibble had found out that he and his uh, his wife and their family had lost their uh, newborn baby. I mean, you, just, you, you can't even fathom what that means from a personal, spiritual, and an emotional level for a family to have to go through that. And to see that team rally together and win a team championship, an absolutely incredible, incredible moment that, again, goes beyond what you typically have to deal with. Real-life things for these college students. And boy, Grant Hirschman, a captain his sophomore and junior seasons, imagine what his senior year is going to be like. And congratulations again to Max McGreevy, who was named All-Big 12. That's a busy edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone for downloading and listening. Tell a friend or two or ten, and we take you inside the Sooner Nation two times a week with the game plan and the tailgate. So everyone have a great weekend. You've got the OU baseball team at home against TCU three-game series, the OU softball team with uh, three games this weekend out of ASA Hall of Fame Stadium in the Big 12 tournament, and then we start gearing towards the postseason. Everyone have a great weekend, and until Tuesday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUOnTheAir.